Hello and welcome to everyone listening, as I invite you to join me, Alan Gibbs, for episode 10 of Christ Matters. For those of you who may be new to this podcast, it is effectively an online diary of my personal spiritual journey into the Christian faith, which I have been travelling for just over seven years now, and includes a warts and all account of the highlights and low points I have encountered thus far as well as additional material such as poetry and Bible verses to help illustrate in greater detail my personal reactions to the doctrines of Christian morality and the meaning and purpose of life as taught and displayed by Jesus Christ. I wish to take this opportunity to extend a very warm welcome to first-time listeners and I hope you will find it sufficiently stimulating to open your eyes and more importantly, your hearts, to the core messages of Christianity. You may also find it useful to tune in to the previous episodes in order to gain a better perspective on the commentary thus far. For those of you that have tuned in before, I welcome you back yet again. And let's now continue the journey. Barely seven days after publishing the last episode, on the 1st of September, this nation received its worst news for decades, the loss of our beloved Queen. Although not being too much of a royalist myself, I use the word beloved not to antagonise anyone who does not agree with that sentiment, but merely to reflect the quarter of a million people who paid their personal respects to her during the lying in state at Westminster and during long waits in queues the tens of thousands who lined the processional routes and the millions of people who watched worldwide, all of which I'm sure you will agree, reflect the love and respect of the many for the one. In my personal opinion, she was the epitome of a life dedicated in service to her people and her country. And it is that dedication that inspires me to write these comments as that is the same dedication that Christ asks, no, demands from his followers. Before I close on this short epitaph, to a truly dedicated and loyal servant for over 70 years, I also wrote a poem to commemorate her life and death, and I would like to read it to you now. There then follows a one minute silence to give thanks and respect for the extraordinary life of dedication of Her Majesty. It is simply entitled Queen Elizabeth II. For this poem of such sad lament, it's difficult to know where to start. You've always been there throughout all of our lives and this nation you took to your heart. For more than 70 plus years, your dedication inspired a generation of your people to withstand and from your coronation's golden carriage you built a perfect marriage of a sovereign who led her nation by the hand. Through thick and thin, good times and bad, you've always been there, ever present it would seem, but in this circle of life death transcends all our strife and your perpetuity is but a dream.
United in grief, united in sorrow, this nation mourns the loss of our beloved Queen. The world laments your demise as we brush the tears from our eyes. We reflect on your reign and what has been. And as we look to the future of Charles III, our sovereign king, we prepare to say our last goodbye to you. We thank God for your life, your inspiration and your strength, and the faith in Jesus Christ you held so true. So, moving on, let's for a few minutes move backwards to the time following my believer's baptism in April 2015, when my life was a flurry of church activity, apparently a trait of most new Christians, as I wished to be involved in so many different aspects of this newfound faith. Everything was such a wonderfully new experience to me, and at the age of 62, I really felt like a teenager again full of the joys of life and eager to explore every avenue that I could. When I reflect on that time, I realise now that I still had so much to learn, but I also realise that the euphoria I was experiencing then were genuine feelings of love and inspiration instilled within me by some hitherto personally unknown entity, the Holy Spirit of God. Whilst I shall be eternally grateful for its intercedence, the aftermath was a bit like a teenager passing his driving test and immediately being handed the keys to a Bugatti Chiron. In case you don't know, I believe it is the fastest road car in the world. And not having the experience or ability with which to control it, but at the same time having the desire to push it to its limits of endurance. Needless to say, I was totally overwhelmed with this, but the feelings were so powerful that I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And as the months went by, I was finding it more and more difficult to maintain the levels of commitment that I had initially displayed. And this in turn started to give me feelings of inadequacy. And was I really destined to follow this path? Or was this just another of those situations where I seemed to give my all, but without finding the knowledge and understanding that I had yearned for. After all said and done, to search for a meaning and a purpose to life was the overriding factor that sent me on this journey in the first place. 
By far my biggest disappointment around that time was the relinquishing of my role as one of Plymouth's street pastors. I had trained for some considerable time to achieve this goal, and at first was full of enthusiasm, as always. Over time, I started to question some of the ethical reasons for, as an example, helping drunkards out of all sorts of situations, when it was they who had made a conscious decision to be drinking to excess. These thoughts began to creep further and further into my ever-questioning mind, and all this, coupled with physical difficulties of walking some of the longer-distance areas of patrol, led me to relinquish, reluctantly, this role. That in turn started a knock-on effect with some of the other things I was committed to at that time. When I coupled all that with the normal difficulties of life that we all experience, and, as was to be revealed to me later, my lack of understanding of exactly what it was that I was supposed to do with all this newfound faith, it now doesn't surprise me that I started to fall by the wayside. And when faced with what I call overwhelming struggles of life, I eventually started to look at alternative faiths, religions, or call them what you like, to see if they could give me the answers I was still searching for. My goodness, when I reflect now on what I was going through then, I can clearly see that there was so much more I had to learn. And even though I have learned an awful lot more than I knew then, I, and most of us, continue to learn every single day. However, at this point, I'm going to end reminiscences from my past to now look at September 2022 to keep up to date with how my journey is progressing now. I shall return to past reflections again next month. So, moving forward to now, where has this journey taken me over the past month or so? Well, firstly, I'd like to talk about belonging. What exactly does it mean to be a belonging church? Taking my lead from a sermon a few weeks ago regarding this very subject, I believe that a belonging church is another way of describing a group of like-minded people whose collective purpose is to follow the principles of Scripture, to attempt to emulate the teachings and examples as displayed by our Lord Jesus Christ, and to do so within the framework of the collective fellowship of the church, to facilitate a singleness of purpose, and to try to achieve this through regular, unstinting fellowship, mutual encouragement for all, whatever their circumstances, spiritual guidance, and an empathetic approach to others. Then, in addition to all this, to take these same attributes and messages to others not of the faith, and display to them in all we do and say that we truly are disciples of Christ and what a difference he can make in all of our lives if we only let him. There are many verses within the Bible which talk of belonging. Here are just a few and these are all taken from the ESV. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 to 25 And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. As well as belonging, there is also the question of service to others. There are many areas in which we can serve both our church communities and also the community of our fellow man and your patterns of service will bear little or no resemblance to my own. But I feel I have to talk about service, because as we stated in the sermon from last week, one can have a wealth of knowledge about Scripture and the role that Jesus Christ plays within that. But without the willingness to serve others, we have learned nothing. For my part, my affinity seems to be aligned to a greater degree with the elderly within our communities, both within the church and outside, believers and non-believers. I suppose at almost 70 years old, I should class myself as elderly too, although on some days I feel nine and others 90. I have also been given so much encouragement both from external sources and from within scripture and within the community of the church, that I feel this is the main area of where God wishes to use me. My voluntary work, therefore, is once again a really important part of my life. But at the same time, I have learned over the past few years a few things which seem to assist with my more sustainably productive role within society. Those things are... Number one, don't put all your eggs in one basket. For me at least, it works very well that I'm able to vary slightly some of the areas in which I'm working. It gives life a variety and reinvigorates the spirit to instill fresh energy and renewed effort. Number two, don't overfill any of the baskets you carry. It merely causes the burden to be too great and eventually you become swamped and overwhelmed, thereby not being able to function properly. And the knock-on effect of that is that you start to feel inadequate and start questioning your abilities to be able to stay on what is intrinsically a very narrow pathway. Number three, continue to read and study scripture. Engage with other Christians through the many forms of church fellowship that exist. Sunday services, prayer meetings, social gatherings, etc. As well as life groups. In case you are unaware, a life group is a smaller group, 
usually about 10 in number, who gather weekly to encourage and help each other through life's inevitable struggles. Through discussions centred around scripture, followed by a short time of prayer, and other forms of fellowship. By keeping these disciplines close to your heart, over time you will start to understand more fully exactly what this Christian walk looks like and consists of, and your relationship with the living God will flourish and deepen as each day passes, opening your mind and heart to a new way of living, with the promises of God for a meaning and a purpose to your life, and the hope of spending eternity in his loving embrace. And finally, number four, continue through prayer and supplication to ask the Lord for whatever is on our hearts. And as long as we are sincere and our requests are genuinely in line with the will of God, they will be answered. Sometimes maybe not at the time of our choosing, nor answered in the way that we expect. But in all cases, they will be answered. With reference to prayer, this is a very important, but sometimes neglected role within the Christian faith. I believe that some of the reasons for not treating this with the importance that we should is because many people, when not having prayers answered in the way or at the specific time of their choosing, regard this as the response of an uncaring God and they couldn't be further from the truth. I do not, however, have the time to devote to this subject at present, but rest assured, we will deal with this subject in greater detail in a later episode. For now, I would just like to recall a short story which may help to illustrate the requests and the response reasons that we get for prayer. I asked for strength, and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help. My prayers were answered. Looking for inspiration regards service to others. Again, there are many verses in the Bible which talk of service, but I have added only three to try to highlight this. Again, all these quotes are taken from the ESV Bible. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And lastly, from James 2, verses 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, 
but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Well, that almost wraps up this month's episode. I just have one more poem to add this month. As we have been talking about belonging and service, a really important part of growing one's faith is the influence of the Holy Spirit of God as it changes and infuses one's character with the nine traits as talked about in Scripture as being the fruits of the Spirit and lists these nine traits as love, joy, patience, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. So the poem is entitled, you guessed it, Fruits of the Spirit, and I hope you enjoy it. Love is the all-conquering gift that we receive when we open our hearts to the Saviour and believe. Joy. Feelings of such happiness are free for us to own. As part of God's community, we don't have to be alone. Patience is a virtue to which most of us don't aspire, but the Spirit will infuse us. That's all that we require. Peace of mind and heart and soul is what the Spirit gives. Within each and every one of us is where the Saviour lives. Goodness. We are all born with a sense of good and bad. Let's focus on life's positives and try not to be down or sad. Kindness. If we are mindful and thoughtful, then others will be too and the Spirit will impart his love to people like me and you. Gentleness. As the Bible says, the meek and mild shall inherit this whole earth. So let us help to build God's kingdom and strive for all it's worth. Faithfulness. Lord, help us to stay focused on you above all things. Let us feel the love of Jesus Christ and the eternal hope he brings. Self-control. If we can keep these fruits of the Spirit alive and close to our hearts, we will always walk together with God and never more apart. Well, that definitely is it for this month, folks. And I really hope and pray that you may have found some encouragement through these words, either to continue a journey or to take the decision to embark upon one. Either way, may I take the opportunity to thank you for listening. And I hope you will join me on Tuesday, the 1st of November, when I will be publishing episode 11. God bless.